0: Welcome, 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 Pewter Pirate Nation, to another edition of A Few Extra Bucks, our podcast. I'm your host, Mike Neighbors. We'd like to thank our title sponsors, House of Brews and Lutes on the corner of Dale Mabry and Van Dyke. And of course, our other title sponsor, Sea Dog Brewery in Treasure Island and Clearwater. Great locations there and what they have in common. Great brews, great food, great service. Justin Thomas, our producer. Justin, how are you this week?
1: I'm doing good. Feeling good? Yeah. It's,
0: it's flying by. It is really flying by. And uh, I'll bring in my partner, Roy Cummings, our Buccaneer insider.
1: Roy, almost halfway through the preseason, how are you feeling? Um, uh, I'm almost ready for the regular season. <laughs> I'm, I'm still anxious about, uh, you know, still excited about preseason games. Uh, this one coming up, obviously, with Tennessee after the practices and uh, the third one for sure, but it won't be long before we're playing the real thing.
0: Let's talk about these dual practices. They're up in Nashville right now. And of course, they're going to play the Titans on the road uh, on Saturday. You know, you and I have covered a lot of these dual practices. We were there in Jacksonville last year. And I think they're really good for a football team. It breaks up the monotony of training camp. It's good. It's one of those rare things in the preseason that's actually good for the veterans and the rookies to me.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt. It, it's it's very good because it gives them an opportunity. And look, it's a cliche now, but it gives them an opportunity to get a different look and to, you know, you get you you get to the point we've talked about it before where you know you, you know exactly what's coming from the guy across the line from you because you've seen him since otas and you see him every day in practice and you know now you've got the opportunity to go against, go against somebody else and really test uh whatever it is you've been working on and it's good for the teams as well you know the coaches and things because you know look they they put together game plans and plays and stuff and they really don't know if they're going to work until they get out there and run them against somebody else because when you're running them against your own guys well, again, they know what's coming and eventually and that kind of thing. So um, it, it's a great test, and it's good work, and I'm surprised more people don't do it. I think in the future, um, this is one of the reasons that I think you can break it. You can get away from four preseason games and start you know, talking about playing three preseason games, maybe even two preseason games, because if more teams get involved in uh, practices like this, uh, you know, you have little scrimmages within those practices, you get enough looks at your top players and even your rookies and and bubble players against that kind of competition, against other competitions, You get an idea of what they're going to be like. You know, how good, you know, how are they going to react in a game? It's not the same, but if you uh, turn up the intensity and go live, uh, you could turn these things into, you know, mini scrimmages that you can yeah. get enough out of that you can eliminate a preseason game. So I think this is something... Uh, the league is going to start. It's it's getting bigger and bigger and more popular. I think that's going to continue, and it could be the key to uh, those of us that really can't stand watching four preseason games.
0: That. <laughs> you know, you brought up a good point, though. Uh, you know, everybody gets all enamored with the preseason games and and you know the big splash things they see at practice, but the coaches they really put a lot into the practice and joint practices on guys. You know, a verdict at the end on who, on whether they make the team or not.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Because again. Um, you know, you can't cheat in these. You know, you, you're going to – whatever you've got, it's going to be exposed, uh, good or bad, and uh, sometimes that's good, sometimes it is bad. Uh, but this is a real good indication of what uh, what a guy can do. And, you know, we had it again today with Ronald Jones, um, this being Thursday, two dropped uh, balls, a ball on the ground on handoffs and and, ca- and catches. I mean, we saw that in the game last week. Ronald Jones is is – Emerging as the biggest disappointment of training camp uh, so far for the Buccaneers, without question, um, more disappointing than you know, players been hurt. Uh, anything else? This this is a concern. This is a real, legitimate concern. And um, you know, I, I, look, he's not going to get cut. He was drafted too high for that. Um, this is not Jeremy McNichols, but in a way, maybe it is Jeremy McNichols, and that's what worries you.
0: Every time you mention Ronald Jones, you get reminded about Jeremy McNichols. If if Ronald Jones was doing well, we'd never hear from McNichols again. But, yeah, that's not a good situation because he is a second-round pick. And because they need that complementary back at running back, that's something they can't have. You know, Dirk Cutter said after Thursday's practice, after the second of two practices, you know, he was happy. They had a lot of good situational work. thought the guys competed well. You know, they worked on a lot of two-minute drills at the end of practice. But yeah, do you think, you know, it's hard to gauge, you know, Ronald Jones because we don't know him that well. But you wonder if some of the stuff is mental after a while because, you know, you want that fresh start. You want that clean start if you're a rookie. But if you make mistakes, are you overcompensating? You know, it's hard to know what's going on with him right now.
1: The hardest thing for a running back, a rookie running back in the NFL to do is go out and just play the game and not think the game. Because from a playing standpoint, nothing is different. Your job is the same. Hit the hole, hit it hard, and 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 try to break tackles and make yards after the you know after contact. That's your job, and that doesn't change no matter you know whether you're facing Nebraska on Saturday afternoon, yeah. New Orleans Saints on Sunday, right. or your own teammates during the week. And so that's the same, and so so it is a mental thing from the standpoint of a rookie like Ronald Jones. And I think yeah, I think uh, from his standpoint, I, I think there is a bit of a a mental fatigue here. And it may have started with early in camp where he wasn't doing well. Maybe he's trying a little bit too hard now, trying to get that, that, you know, that extra burst and, and try to, you know, break something. Uh, it's, it's got to come natural and it's not coming natural for him. And so that, that my concern there is that, yeah, it's gotten into his head a little bit. He's trying to do a little too much. When he try to do a little too much, uh, you forget about the, you know, the basics, you forget about the fundamentals and you can't let that go because that's part of the problem right now. He's not securing the ball. Uh, and that's got to be job one. Before you can gain you know, six, eight yards, you've got to make sure you got the ball in your hands.
0: And You hope you know, with a player like that who's obviously a confident player, he's had a lot of success in his career, if he has some positives this weekend, maybe that can turn things around for him very quickly. All right, let's talk about a guy who's had so many positives since he's put on a Buccaneer uniform. That's wide receiver Chris Godwin. We had a chance to catch him one-on-one. If you want to see the whole interview, it's up on our latest – video wrap on pewterpirates.com. We're very happy with that video wrap. It's the most content we've had in one video wrap. You know, we have all kinds of one-on-one interviews. We talked about Tony Dungy. We're going to get to Dungy in just a second. His press conference. We have Roy's more likely segment where he really breaks down this football team. We have a a fun feature on electric football as well. But talking about Chris Godwin, I had a chance to catch up with him. And I, I tried to give a basketball analogy to this, Roy, because when you hear about the NBA players or college players, it's who gets the shots, who gets the touches. Uh, and in and, and football, with this offense, you kind of wonder that, too. They have so many weapons on offense. I asked Chris Godwin, is it hard to really get enough attention with so much uh, competition and, and so many great players? it's tough to get your shot in this offense there's so many weapons uh, but I feel like for you you just want to get more involved compared to a year ago
1: yeah definitely um, I, but I think you know when you realize that we have as many
0: weapons as we do you know it's beneficial for the team you know because because other teams can't really game plan for for one, uh, for one guy you know they have to plan for everybody and obviously like there's only one ball go around but I think our coaches have they do a great job of you know getting everybody you know the touch that they're trying
1: to get and you know really keeping defense on their toes
0: now, that sounds good, Roy, and I don't worry about Chris Godwin. I don't worry about the young tight ends. I don't really worry about Mike Evans too much. Sometimes I worry about Deshaun Jackson when it comes to the one guy. You know, there's always seems to be that one superstar, that one guy that you kind of have to get to the ball to X amount of times. What do you think about that whole dynamic with this offense?
1: No, I think you're absolutely right. Um, for a young guy like Chris Godwin, who's got, you know, oodles of talent, obviously, and uh, the Bucks think highly of him, and there's a good chance that, you know, by the end of the season he could be the Bucks. Number two wide receiver ahead of Deshaun Jackson. <clears throat> you you've got to make sure that when your opportunity comes, you take advantage of it. And I, I think I think for the most part these guys have. I mean, Cameron Braid has, O.J. Howard has, Mike Evans has, Deshaun Jackson hasn't always, but uh, he's had a pretty good camp. We'll say that. Uh, yeah, yeah. he's really flashed a lot in camp, which is a good sign. Wasn't doing that necessarily and last.
0: Showed up for off-season workouts a little more too, which was good to see.
1: Yes, well, I think that's—I think it's a result of that because yeah. he showed up. Yeah. Um, Monty Kiffin used to say, "You know, what, what's the first step you have to take in getting better? Well, it starts—you got to show up," right. and he showed up. So, but but Chris Godwin is doing the same thing. So there's a there's a great little uh, you know internal competition going on there uh, for guys. I mean, look, Chris Godwin has the ability to be a number one receiver. I think he's probably more cut out to be a number two, but, uh, you know, he, he's going to fight for his spot and they know that it's all a matter of developing a trust and a chemistry with that quarterback, because if you, if you've got that, you know, that that quarterbacks can go to you, you know, when, when the bullets start flying. So, uh, yeah, these are great competitions that they have and you're right. You have to take advantage of those opportunities. Um, in this offense because yeah there's only one ball and and touches are uh are, are rare well, let's go to the
0: defensive side of the ball you know we talk about OTAs being there but uh, JPP how much was made of him not being there for OTAs hasn't affected his play at all but another guy that it was good to see in return to the practice field was of course veteran Brent Grimes and uh, you know it's funny <laughs> he's listed at 510 and I may be uh 5'7 uh, on a very good day and he's not that much taller than me I'm amazed how much of, you know, he gets out of his size and his ability and you know this storyline uh, last year at the end after the season was over there were rumors that Brent Grimes may retire uh, we have a full one on one with him in our latest video wrap on com. but I asked Grimes uh, what brought him back for another year
1: the main thing with me is I, I like
0: to have fun and I still feel like football is fun. On top of, I feel like we
1: have a chance to do some good things. Even though last year didn't go as we wanted, we have a good team. We got a lot of talent, obviously, just like every other team in the league. But it's a the the team is close knit. It's a good group. We want to play for like each other, and I feel like we can do some good things. And that's one of the reasons. Well, one of the main reasons I came back.
0: You know, I think ten million dollars was another reason, Roy Cummings. Uh, But uh, the thing I like about Grimes is he's a consummate professional. And, you know, when you ask him about all the additions on defense, when you talk to him about, you know, the buzz of the the new defensive line, he didn't flinch. And he said, you know what, we're just hitting each other right now. It's really uh, there's a lot that we have to do. And, you know, we talked about last week that you need that kind of veteran leadership. But, uh, you know, I think obviously the money was part of it. But this team is really lucky to have Grimes back for one more year, especially drafting so many young
1: corners that they did this year. You know, you're right, Mike. Here's the thing. I I, I appreciate a guy like Brent Grimes, not just because of the way he plays the game, obviously. But, yeah, because he is honest. Because, look, and fans may get mad at me for this. But, look, I've I've been covering the NFL for more than 20 years. Uh, I've gotten the point, Mike. You know this too. This time of year, everybody is excited. They look for the smallest little nugget of information to, you know, to, to tell me it's everything's going to be okay. Tell me we're be have been bad for a long time. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. They're looking. They're looking for all this positive reinforcement, and you and you'd love to give it to them. But at the end of the day, you know what I say? Man, shut up and play football. Uh, take show me a game. I I, I, I don't get all that excited anymore about training camp workouts because I've seen training camp workouts and it's easy to look good in shorts and and, and shirts. And it's, and it's just as easy to look good in pads, you know, in a seven on seven drill, you get a a little bit of 11 on 11, but if they're not going live, you're not going to get much out of it. You get a little bit out of preseason games, but you know what? You don't, you never really know how good your team is going to be until you get out there on the field on opening day and you start playing. And 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 that's what he's saying. He's saying, look, we're just hitting each other right now. And that's right. I mean, it's, it's all part of the program. It has to happen. This is, you know, the dress rehearsal and all that stuff. But, uh, and you got to learn all, you know, you got to learn your plays and everybody's got this is what practice is for. But the real deal is, you know, Sunday, a Sunday in September against the Saints. And, you know, how do they respond? And then win or lose, how do they respond to that? You know, do they get full of themselves if they win and say, okay, we got this, and then screw it up the next week and, and blow an opportunity to make it two in, a, two in a row? Or do they get down because they lost the game and not bounce back quickly enough? Uh, you, know, you know, that's what tells you what your team is really going to be like. You know there's talent. This team is very talented. No doubt. Is it capable of winning and executing when it really matters? The only way we're going to find out is to watch them in that real situation and we won't be able to do that until that uh, Sunday in September in uh, in New Orleans. And it's getting closer, my friend. All right, let's shift the focus. Uh,
0: and no, we're not going to talk about the Bachelorette, which just still floors me. Uh, well, now, wait a minute. Uh, yeah. We probably <clears throat> should, but okay. All right. Uh, you're, you're sticking by your guns. I respect
1: that quite a bit. Probably but- have a Bachelorette you know, segment in here, but that's okay we it's
0: mandatory. I have to bring it up and bash you about it uh, every week, and you can bash me for not watching it. That's Wait
1: fine. Mine. Bachelor in Paradise was lots of drama. If you're not watching it, you, you're just, you're missing something special. So I read.
0: A, I think I read a book that hour, and I got a lot more out of my
1: life. But uh, that's fine. Except, except Jordan's a douche, but you know, if you don't mind me saying that. we try to make it family oriented. But <laughs> I like it. I like the fire.
0: All right, let's talk about a guy you covered. Uh, for a long time, and I covered him for not as long, but a few years. Tony Dungy, um, you know, he, he had—he's going to be in the Ring of Honor this year, and I think that the, the Glazer family and the Bucks had it right. You have to put Gruden in there first, and then you put Tony Dungy. In my opinion, um, he had his press conference this week, and uh, was asked uh, a lot of interesting questions. Um, first of all, before we get into some things that he said, um, you know, he's a Pro Football Hall of Famer but he's now a Buccaneer Hall of Famer. I guess that's what you can call it with the Ring of Honor. I had a chance to ask to- Coach Dungey this at his press conference. This franchise giving given you an opportunity when you waited for it. You've received a lot of honors, but the fact that they gave you the opportunity, does that separate this honor from, from many you've received? It really does. I mean, from the, the first organization that you had a chance to lead and they recognize you and, and say, hey, you're one of the people we want to remember. Uh, That's pretty special, and um, as I say, brought back great memories. Uh, But I can remember sitting with Mr. Glazer and and talking about what we wanted to do and how we wanted to connect this franchise and we wanted to get the stadium built and uh, just different things along the way, and uh, seeing it come to fruition, and it's great. It's, It's awesome. This is Tony Dungeon in a nutshell. Class. He was asked about you know the Glazer family, and Tony Dungy can say a lot of nice things, and he should about the Glazer family. A lot of teams wouldn't hire Tony Dungy. They thought he was too laid back, didn't have the right demeanor to be a head coach, uh, but he proved all the critics wrong. But then the Glazers fired Tony Dungy, and he was asked about that, and he said, you know what, I don't look at it that way. I'll look at it that they gave me a chance, and that's why I asked him the question in terms of dishonor. But what are you, what's your – real memory of tony dungy what sticks out about him covering him for all the years that you did roy
1: you know i'm not going to give you a memory because there's too many to i mean he didn't have the most memorable press conferences or anything like that right. there were a few that, that you know w- that, that stand out but here's the thing about tony dungy look you know i've been, I cover, i've been covering sports for 35 37 years now um i'm proud to be able to say that you know i've covered super bowls and world series and and, and and Stanley Cup Finals and and everything else, and that I, you know, met great players and great coaches and and covered these guys. It was an honor to cover Tony Dungy. It was an it's an honor to know him the way I know him. Um, he Tony Dungy is a man who makes me want to be a better man. Yeah, and if if that sounds corny to anybody, I'm sorry, but if you knew him. If you knew him on the level that Mike, you, and I know him, you 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 would understand what I'm saying. He is a man who makes you want to be a better man. I, I, I he, The greatest thing about Tony Dungy is that he's not a football coach. He is a football coach, but he understands that's just a forum for him to try to get out there the message that he believes is most important in, in his life, which is all about how to be the right person, how to, how to act the right way for your children, for your family, uh, for, for friends, for people around you, for, for the, the, the company you work for. I mean, that's why, he, you know, that's why he is the way he is. That's why there's no animosity with Tony Dungy about be, coming in after John Gruden. And by the way, he should have gone in ahead of John Gruden because you know what? It's about who built that team, and Tony Dungy built that team. Um, yes, John Gruden finished it off. And then he tore down the organization, and he'll do the same with the Raiders. But Tony Dungy built that team. Uh, He took it from, you know, a a period of despair, and and put him back on the map the right way. And but you know what, I'm not surprised because that's what Tony Dungy does. He does that with people. He does that with organizations. He did it with the Colts. And uh, if anybody else wanted to bring it, it's why he's always hanging around one buck place, because he's you know he. He is dishonored to have been a part of that organization even though they fired him. I mean, you didn't see John Gruden hanging around one buck place unless he had to. And 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 that's the difference between the two men and uh why Tony Dungy is uh he's a Hall of Famer foot, football coach. He's a and he's a Hall of Fame person. Period. Do you think he should have been fired? No. No, I never I I I always disagreed with it and I, I, and and I'll say this. I don't know that the Bucks wouldn't won a Super Bowl with him. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. But I still don't think he should have been fired because, you know, at the end of the day, what he needed was he just needed a, a better offensive coordinator, and they were hard to come by at the time. Um, he had a hard time finding one. Um, you know, look, I understand why the, the Bucks fired him. He was loyal to a fault with some of those coaches too. Yes, that- he was. He, was. he, he, was, like loyal he yeah. was loyal to a fault. He was loyal to a fault. But, you know, it's funny. You know, uh, all of his coaches went on to do very good things in other places. So it's not mm-hmm. like you got it wrong, you know. Right. Um, and and but that's just the way it is. Uh, look, I still think they would have still. My guess is they would have won a Super Bowl at some point. It was a matter of getting you know the right quarterback, and uh, and really that was it. I mean, he was kind of hamstrung with quarterbacks. He he sure as heck wasn't hamstrung with defenses uh, and good players uh, throughout the roster. He just he he never had a quarterback. You know what was interesting, Dungy.
0: Like you said, he's not, you know, it doesn't give you the the soundbite that you want at press conferences, always takes the high road, but he said something interesting uh, this week. He was asked about uh, his 99 team and how close they were to winning and making it to the Super Bowl. And he he, he said something that was kind of very undungy like didn't make an excuse, uh, but he pointed out a reason why he thought that team didn't make it or could have made it. They didn't have their starting tackles. You know, Paul Gruber and Jason Odom were out for the year, and we're in the playoffs. And he said, if Gruber and Odom would have been in the playoffs and would have been healthy, he says he'll go to his grave saying, if they would have been healthy, that team would have played in the
1: Super Bowl. Yeah. Those, like. those are other things that I think people forget is that, uh, you know, a missed field goal by Martine Grammatica, uh, you know, hurt him. So, I mean, little things uh, derailed the team that, that, John, that, that Tony Dungy took to the playoffs. Uh, several times and it's unfortunate but you know those things happen that's football and yeah that's another reason why no I, I don't think they uh okay they got their they got their Super Bowl great but you know where's the organization been since it's it's back to where it was before Tony Dungy came around and that's not a good place
0: and to your point about Dungy and Gruden if you want to compare them you know he was asked about do you ever get the itch to return to coaching he said I haven't really, and I know this would never happen because Tony Dungy has a great life. You know, he speaks and he's on NBC doing sports and is very busy. But boy, I, I, you know, I I thought Roger Goodell should have been fired years ago. Wouldn't Tony Dungy make a great NFL commissioner right now, especially with all the anthem problems and all the animosity? I think he would have the temperament, and he's smart,
1: and he's and he's he knows the league. Boy, what a great commissioner he would be. You you know, I I don't know if I'd want him as commissioner, but I'd want him. Somewhere at the top level in charge of football operations, that type of thing. And here's why. And, well, I mean, there's a lot of reasons because he knows the game very well. He's, he's conscious about safety and things like that. And, and, and also, you know, preserving the game the way it's supposed to be played and making sure, you know, that players practice the right way often enough that, uh, you know, that, but with not too much and that kind of thing. But here's another thing you, know, you brought up the anthem issue. And in the same press that wasn't the press conference, it was afterwards, he was asked about how he would handle the, the anthem thing. And he said, if he were commissioner, or, or if he was the coach, uh, primarily, if he was the coach, what he would do is he'd say, all right, instead of you guys upsetting everybody and taking a knee, and I understand why you do it, and I support your, your decision to do that, um, what I would do is if I would go to the players and say, what's your message? What is it that you're trying to get across because I will give you 10 minutes of my press conference time during the week and let you tell people what the message is. I will yeah. give away that time for, my, for myself, and I will give it to you to get that message across so that we're not upsetting fans, so that we're not having the protests that upset fans, and so that the, the heat doesn't come on you guys, and this way you get your message out. I mean, what? gee, it, was that so hard to figure out? Why can't other coaches figure it out? Why can't the league figure it out? Why can't somebody give these guys a forum? And if they either can or can't make their case, well, you know, you had your opportunity, and that would be the end of this argument. But you know what? It's the reason that nobody else can come up with it. Nobody, else, nobody else is really as smart as Tony Dungy. I'll put it that why, way. Why wouldn't you want him as NFL commissioner, though? Well, just because I, 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 I just, I, I just get the sense that. I don't know if he'd be a good commissioner, but he'd be great in a position where he was in charge of, you know, he, where he wasn't the face of the league, but although that that would be fine. Um, I just think there's too much administrative stuff and uh, negotiations and things like that. I, I think you have to be a lawyer in order to well, be that guy.
0: Politician, you got to compromise a lot.
1: Yeah, true. Yeah. But I, I, what I would want Tony Dungy to be is the commissioner's right hand man for football operations you know he would be the guy who i would go turn to and say okay you know what is a good program for practice you know when we go into the next cba and we know that the game is struggling because we're not practicing enough what can we throw at him to make the players happy and the coaches happy how do we you know how do we keep the fans appeased during you know this situation how do we handle discipline how do we handle this i think he'd be a great right-hand man on that side but i think the the job of the commissioner now is so much about negotiation with television, uh, uh, companies and, and, and internet and everything else. And, and obviously the players association, you really have to be a lawyer, uh, I think, and a, and a good one to, to handle that, to be the commissioner. But I think there is a place for him at the top of the organization, top of the NFL. Uh, and that's in the football operations department. And I think that's uh, the opportunity that I would like to see him get.
0: You know, you almost convinced me. My, my, my one thing, and we'll stop this conversation there. I, I, I sometimes, you know, I just look at it as almost – in terms of being a president, I wish some of these lawyers would be the lieutenants and you'd have more people. I even look at baseball, like a Bob Costas. Let him be baseball commissioner. Let the other lawyers and stuff do the administrative stuff you're talking about. Let Dungy be the commissioner. Have the lawyers and other stuff do the administrative stuff because I really think leadership comes down to people who are leaders, right, and who know the game and who appreciate the game. And I think sports has really suffered because you have a lot of these commissioners, Roy – who just kowtow to the owners, and they're not leaders. And I think sports, especially the NFL, I mean, it's really hard to screw up the NFL, but Goodell screwed it up in so many ways. You know, it's almost like I could have, you know, my uh, nine-year-old niece be NFL commissioner. I think the NFL would still be as popular as it is. But some of these guys just continue to mess it up, and it just frustrates me from afar.
1: Yeah, I see your point. Uh, I don't, no, I don't disagree. I I think it would help the league a lot to have Someone who played the game, coached the game, uh, and was involved at that highest level uh, with 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 a set, with several teams, um, you know, in charge of the, the football end of things. I, you know, it'd be nice if uh, the commissioners were people who were on field presences at some at at some point. The reason being, at the end of the day, it's supposed to be a game. Unfortunately, it's become such a big game that it requires a whole lot of uh, corporate. Uh, corporate kind of brains to, in order to keep it, to keep it at the top.
0: Well, I think that's why too, though, the owners are so happy with Roger Goodell is because he can kind of be the heel, so to speak, and take on all the backlash and, you know, be the face of a lot of these decisions that these owners are probably wanting and okay with, but he kind of takes that on for them. And I, and so I almost think even though he's not good for football, the owners really like him
1: well they like him because he's making them money and right um, you know and, and that continues and that's why they like him for the most part uh they get mad when he does something that hurts their team see jerry jones uh you know or see bill belichick or by even bob craft yeah. um they don't like that um but you're right you, you know he, he the commissioner has to play the bad cop uh, often and then that's another reason why i wouldn't want tony dungy in that job because uh, I don't, I, I don't, I, it would hurt me to see him get criticized for things that are out of his control.
0: And I think that's why he would never want that job because he knows it's everything that you just stated. And that's probably why he stays away. Okay, Roy Cummings, it's time for your favorite part of the podcast, but a three and out for you, just for you, my friend. And uh, if you listen to our A Few Extra Bucks podcast, you should know that Roy Cummings does not know what's coming, but always hits these out of the park. All right, so we have three questions. And then we're out. So this is our three and out segment. All right. The Bucs are up in Nashville this week and you have the top two quarterbacks once upon a time in the NFL draft. If you were a GM Roy Cummings and you could have a do over knowing what you know now, you had a crystal ball and everything. Would you pick Jameis Winston or Marcus
1: Mariota? I'm still taking Jameis Winston and here's why. Um, yeah. I'm very concerned, disappointed about James Winston's off-the-field activities. Uh, he's, he's broken a lot of trust. But at the end of the day, the job is to win football games. And one of the toughest things for a quarterback to do in the NFL is stay healthy. James Winston got hurt last year. But the game that Marcus Mariota plays leads itself to problems, health problems. And yeah. I believe that is going to continue. I think at the end of the day, Jameis Winston, he's an NFL quarterback coming from an NFL system, uh, and uh, the numbers, in my opinion, are fine. He's done things that few quarterbacks in their first couple of years have ever done. Uh, he's still my guy. I still think he's the better leader. I still think he's the better long-term answer because I think he's the more sturdy quarterback, and I think he's just got a better foundation for being a, a pro-caliber Pro style, elite level quarterback. I think he'll still, I still believe he'll get there. Um, I think people are way too um, impatient and they want everything, they want instant gratification. It doesn't come. Uh, look at Aaron Rodgers. It, it, it took him a long time before he even got an opportunity. If every quarterback got, you know, were treated that way, they'd probably all be a lot better. And I think Jameis Winston, after, uh, you know, he, he's, he hasn't even begun to enter his prime. Um, And I think he's going to be just fine. And I think the Bucs are going to be really happy that they've got him. You know what? I'm starting to think of the Jameis Winston. The best thing that ever happened
0: for him was to experience a training camp like this. We can get into this in future podcasts where he had to not be the guy, where he didn't have to please everybody, where he didn't have to feel like he had to motivate everybody, where he just had to sit back and say, you know what, I'm going to learn from this. And I'm going to appreciate everything that I have. And maybe he did appreciate it, but didn't really because he's always been that guy. And the fact that he's not the guy right now, I got to feel that that may help him
1: moving forward. Well, I think it humbled him. There's no doubt. Um, you know, look, I, I don't think James Winston was ever a cocky kind of guy. Um, he's a very confident guy, but he's not cocky. He doesn't you know, think he's bigger than the game or anything like that. But I think he's been humbled. He's been slapped down a little bit. And I think he realizes, hey, this is how easily this can be gone. It matters so much to Jameis Winston that he is not just a starting quarterback in the NFL, but a great quarterback in the NFL. It matters to him a lot. This is what his life has all been geared towards uh, and what it's geared towards now. And he realizes now, for the first time, just how easily everything can be taken away from you. It's three games now, but one more screw-up And a team quits on you, and if that team quits on you, see Colin Kaepernick, the whole league might quit on you. So I think he knows now uh, just how tenuous this position is and how fortunate he is to be in it. And I think he's uh, looking at it from a different perspective now, and I think that's why uh, you're going to see a different James Winston going forward.
0: Yeah, this may be a whole podcast down the road. We could talk about uh, how this training camp in this preseason has either helped or refined Jameis Winston. All right, our second question in our three and outs, we go back to Tony Dungy and John Gruden. Okay, Roy Cummings, if you had one game and you could grab one coach for one game, would it be Tony
1: Dungy or John Gruden? I'll take Tony Dungy again. I'll tell you why. Okay. Uh, Tony Dungy was flexible. Little pause there from you. Well – uh, yeah, I wanted to make sure I was, you know, I mean, it's look, uh, John Gruden, but here, here's, I'm t- here's the reason. And I'll take you to New York on a day when the wind was blowing 45 miles an hour in gusts, right. Right. in an old giant stadium. And I remember, uh, Cadillac Williams was the Buccaneers running back. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was a day, it was a miserable, cruddy day. And I remember walking out onto the field to do a, a channel eight segment, pregame segment. Passing Art Valero, then the Bucks running backs coach, yep. uh, on the way out, and I said, uh, "Miserable day out there today, isn't it?" And he goes, "It sure is." I said, "Hey, that means it could be a good day for Cadillac. Give him 45 touches." He goes, "Amen, brother." And I think Cadillac got about four touches that day. John Gruden threw the ball all over the lot. You know why? Because that was a game plan he went into that game with. He didn't adjust, and he screwed. And he screwed it up. They lost the game. They got humiliated. I don't think John Gruden adjusts very well. He's still a guy who, you know, he leans too much on older players. Uh, Tony Dungy would be my guy. He would be my guy.
0: I like John Gruden an awful lot, but John Gruden has fatal flaws, like you say, can't adjust sometimes. And the biggest thing with John Gruden, and we've talked about this before, (laughs) it it was really the perfect storm. I mean, you got to give him total credit for winning the Super Bowl, but it was the perfect storm. And the one thing that, you know, I, I take exception with it. It was Tony Dungy's team. And, yeah, he built that defense. But there were a lot of new players in the Super Bowl team. But you got to give Rich McKay credit for that, too. Yeah. And the fact that he can't work with a Rich McKay really hurts John Gruden. And that's why I'd have to have Tony Dungy as well.
1: Uh, you're right. Rich McKay built that team. Tony Dungy, basically, uh, he was a big part of building that team. And, and here's, here's my bottom line on why I take Tony Dungy for one game over John Gruden. Scoreboard. Tony Dungy's won more games as a coach or did with the Bucks at least, than, uh, than John Gruden. I'll, I'll take the guy who's, a, who's the winningest coach in franchise history.
0: I thought I stumped you there for a second, but you always come back and hit it out of the park. All right, our last three and out. Um, we're going to go back to that kind of Ring of Honor theme. We, we mentioned Dungy a lot in this show. But out of the three Hall of Famers for the Bucks, uh, you know Dungy is the coach, but the players, you have Leroy Selman, you have Warren Sapp, and you have Derek Brooks. If you could pick one of those guys, if you have to pick one to start your football team, which guy would you pick? Wow. Uh, one,
1: man. Wow. <laughs> man, that's a tough question. Yeah, and I usually
0: end with an easy one. I kind I, of I, read I, the, you know, at the end.
1: – All right, I'll, I'll narrow it down to this. It all starts up front, so I'm taking a lineman. Mm-hmm. And I'm taking Sap because he was different than anybody else. Th- there have been plenty of Leroy Selmans in the NFL. Lots of defensive yeah. ends who can get to the quarterback. There may be three players who had sap's ability to get to the quarterback from the interior line, the way he did. I'll take Sap.
0: You know what? I would take sap to Sap was such a pain in the ass to deal with yeah. before. He was a hell of a player. And he may be, you can make a case. Can you make a case? Maybe the best defensive tackle ever.
1: Yes, you can. You absolutely can make that case. Certainly the best three technique ever. You can make that argument, yes. There's no doubt about it.
0: So I'd pick Warren Sapp, and boy, that's a tough one because Derek Brooks was such a fabulous player, and so was Leroy Sundman. Well, listen, I'm glad we squeezed a little bachelor talking there, and and i got to remind people, when you watch the game this week, just remember this, Roy. We'll we'll leave you on this, okay? Last year, you and I were in Jacksonville, and we saw the Bucs dominate the Jaguars during the week. We saw the Bucs dominate the Jags in the game, and you thought, boy, that Jacksonville team, they're just terrible. Blake Bortles, he's going to be awful. And remember, they made the AFC Championship game and the Bucks won five games. So, Matt, no matter what really happens this week, just keep that in mind. Don't get too high or too low. In the spirit of Tony Dungy, be even-keeled. How about that? That sounds good, my man. It's good advice. I'm with you. Okay. Well, listen, um, Justin, do you have any parting thoughts? Do you have any wisdom from our uh, voice of reason? Well, I found it interesting. I agree about Jameis Winston. I definitely think he's more talented of the two. But, uh, Roy, you said that his his job is to win games, and it's kind of hard to win games when you're suspended. So I think he's definitely better, but as long as he's not getting into
1: trouble and doing stupid stuff like that. Also hard, hard to win yeah. when you're hurt. Don't forget that.
0: Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, my friend. Well, listen, I really enjoy doing these. Uh, we, uh, we had one this week, but we're going to come back with two strong next week. We're going to recap the Bucks' second preseason game. And the good thing, the last two are at home, so Roy and I can uh, watch these games together down the stretch. Where Roy, I can't wait to watch that fourth preseason game with you. I, lo- I know you love the fourth preseason game, Oh, right? yes.
1: Yeah, that's the most special of them all, isn't it?
0: <laughs> well, listen, good stuff out of you. Uh, Good job on the three and out and everything else. Uh, We appreciate our producer, Justin Thomas, as well. Does a great job not only producing this podcast, but putting our shows together every week. And if you haven't logged on to peterpirates.com, this is the first time you've listened to our podcast. We've really upped the ante in terms of our coverage as training camp. We have great one-on-ones. Our latest are with Chris Godwin and Brent Grimes. We have a rookie diary with MJ Stewart, who's had a great training camp. We have a great new segment called Got a Minute where we ask Buccaneer players as many questions as they can answer in a minute Mike Evans was the leader with nine but we had somebody beat him this week coming up and uh, he's also on the offensive side of the ball so that's kind of a tease for you and also you got to check out our electric football feature it's the 70th anniversary of electric football our friends at Tudor Games sent me the 70th anniversary edition and we had two Buccaneer players play it so check that out on our website as well And we appreciate our title sponsors, House of Brews and Sea Dog Brewing Company. We really appreciate them. They've been great to us. I'm Mike Neighbors. Until next time, thanks for logging on, PeterPirates.com, and thanks for listening to A Few Extra Bucks.